Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are going to look at the interesting area of your trading personality. And yes, you do have a trading personality. Four core groups and we're going to explore each of them. We'll look at the strengths, we'll look at the weaknesses, and more importantly, we'll give you a pathway so that you can actually work out exactly which personality type from a trading perspective best suits you. As soon as you unravel this this particular conundrum that people are in, it's gonna enable you to be very, very aware of your weaknesses and more importantly, to be able to leverage off your strengths. And those small adjustments now pay massive dividends down the line. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey there guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my faithful father, Mr. Mitch Olperential. How are you? Pleasure to be here, AB. Thank you very much. I'm well, how are you? Great. Very good. What do you got for us today, my friend? Well, actually, funnily enough, you took the role as creative director today, so I might hand this over to you. What are we going to be covering today, AB? This, my friend, is a very interesting one, and for so many people out there, this is going to be the key that unlocks the door um, on either their future success or explains perhaps some of their frustrations when it comes to investing and trading. Sounds important. It is very important, even though it sounds, as we get into this, a little bit wishy-washy and woo-woo, this is crucial at the guts of your success, and it is understanding more about what your trading and investing personality actually is. Personality, mm-hmm. okay, what's a trading personality just to start us off? Look, that's a really good place to start because it's gonna set the set the scene up. And it's kind of ironic that we're talking about people's personality because that starts to go into that emotion and all of that side of things, yet we're all about process and, and trying to man, uh, you know, manage emotion and all those variables out of the way. So you know, why is this personality thing there? What is it? And um, when you start to really look into this in, in some level of detail, if you give two people the exact same plan, uh, the exact same account, the exact same market conditions, one person will thrive and the other will really struggle. And it's not down to the process they're using, it's down to the variable they bring to it, which is them. And we can talk about that psychology, but more specifically, let's actually dive into a niche of that psychology, which is personality. I guess it's how you manage your emotion within that process, right? I think if we look, past emotion and get into behavioral patterns okay. and things that actually drive us. And that's why this may sound a little woo-woo to people, and I please stick to the end of this broadcast because you're going to learn a lot in this, I can assure you. Um, self-sabotage is a huge thing, and we've all got patterns of behavior that we exhibit in different elements of our life, and it's not to do with emotion, it's just to do with our DNA, if you will, as to how we conduct ourselves. Um, some of us are very, very driven results at all costs, uh, type personalities, and that can be very, very useful, particularly on the sports field, sure. and, and particularly driving yourself in an endeavor by being competitive. But there is a trail of carnage that it can leave behind uh, sure. if left unchecked. So I, I wrote this, I was on a little odyssey probably about 15 years ago. I was doing a lot of work in this trading psychology space, but a lot of day traders in particular within their organization. And, and at that really pointy end of markets, and that we've covered day trading before, go have a look, I think it's video 12 or podcast 12. Something like that, month. yeah. Um, but at that really pointy short-term end, everyone is looking for that micro adjustment in their trading to amplify the results because it is so myopic at that end of the scale. So I really went on quite the odyssey for probably about 18 months, two years, uh, really going deep on trading psychology and doing a lot of coaching work with my clients. And one of the sub-branches of that, as I say, was the personality. So we ended up coming out with a test, and it's actually a standard psychological test that's used by the Australian Psychologist Association, amongst others, and then we wrapped around it some trading inferences. It's interesting. Mm. And, and, and what it looks for is your dominance versus your passive 
uh, side of things on a scale. And it also looks at how formal or informal you are in terms of the way that you make your decisions. And that gives you a grid, if you will. And to get to the answers or, 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 or how do you work out where you're on that grid, there's 22 questions we came up with. So it takes probably five or six minutes to do that quiz. It's really simple and you want that. Um, you want to think about the answers, you want to have that gut response because that's really going to open the door to what your true personality is. We don't want to answer the questions as if someone's marking you. It's more exactly. just about being honest with yourself. Right? Totally right. This is about self-examination, not what other people are going to think of you, but what you learn about yourself. And sure. again, that in itself is very hard for some people to break apart. You know, here's the model answer that makes me in a good light. Yeah, go to the doctor. I just had a health checkup two weeks ago. The doctor says to me, he said, so do you drink? And I said, yes, I do. He said, are you a heavy drinker? I said, not at all. He said, well, how much do you drink? And look, I love wine, and I'll probably have, you know, we'll have a bottle of wine at the weekend and, and maybe a couple of beers, and that usually is the extent of it, maybe a scotch or something every now and then. He said, so how many units on average? And then you start to think, oh, okay. <laughs> so let's actually start to top this up. And, oh, yeah, maybe six. And all of a sudden you're yeah, a borderline alcoholic. Yeah, no, it's not six, yeah. it's actually 10 or 12. I'm not, I'm not genuinely not a drinker. It's a very social thing. And, and, uh, and, and so all of a sudden you're giving a masked answer and as a result the, the the response and the information you get back it's not going to help you because it's not true garbage sure. in garbage out so in this quiz 22 questions bone honest quick immediate instant gut reaction to those questions and on the back of that what we started to do is break people down into four personality types so we'd have recognition achievement social and security in terms of what people's overarching drivers were. And let me tell you something, it's quite the revelation. When I mean, you've done the quiz, you did it sometime. Well, I have, I did it a couple of years ago and I'm just reading through what the strengths and the weaknesses are for an achievement-based trader, which is what I was and I know it's what you are too. And it's like someone's known me for 20 years. It's crazy. You know, obviously we have that will to win as an achievement-based trader and we'll do that at all costs. But sometimes, you know, you can make a fortune and you'll tend to lose it. Yeah, sometimes that, that whole thing about needing to be right and it's absolutely you not know, just when you want to crush the opposition. You know, we talk about this a lot from the sporting context, you know, there's two minutes to go. Does it matter if you hit the goal or the try? Yes, it does. It does. It's a matter of personal pride and it's just to just grind and get that. It's a mental game. And, uh, and that can be a massive issue in that that, um, that drive in the market is for the wrong reason. It's not about profit, it's for that ability to be recognized as being the outright winner. And so where this becomes really important is that there are patterns of behavior that come with that that can self-sabotage your results. You know, that ability to pull back on the reins and listen to somebody or to scale back your risk management at times can sometimes come as a challenge. Think, well, I'm not interested in scaling back my risk, I'm going for absolute return. Because I want to win the most. Exactly right. But if you're on a ride and it's going well and the kidney starts to swell, start to swing that risk management up to preserve what you've built. And that's something that doesn't necessarily come that easy to people like you or I with that personality. What goes up must come down. Now let's let's contrast that with say the pretty much the exact opposite and take someone who's a security-based trader. What are the strengths and weaknesses of those guys? Well, this is interesting because I actually run this quiz live in big rooms, I've done it with you know seven, eight hundred clients in a room and going through and doing this, and it's an absolute nightmare uh, to try and do it. But once you gradually get everyone in the right corner of the room, um, it is so mind blowing with what you start to see there. And people, when you start to go through these attributes, and not yeah, that's me, you got me there. So security. Now, at a live event, when everyone wants to be recognized, your recognition and your achievement during traders, they're easy to put in the corner. Sure. The social ones, you know where they're going to be because they're already having a chat with each other over there. The security ones are like this sort of meeker sort of group in the corner where no one's looking at us almost. 
And yet, ironically, most people would consider that in a fairly disparaging personality attribute to have all their security driven and you know, they're scared of their own shadow. That's not actually the case. If you give these guys the right nurturing and perhaps more importantly, the right trading plan. So if somebody develops a trading plan, you can give it to these guys and they will execute it to the nth degree. Poignantly, right. Because it's all about making sure that they don't take any unnecessary risk by going off the reservation. And that, when you start to look at it, you go, well, that's a really interesting attribute to have. Now, something that's really interesting too is an observation from doing this in live rooms over 12, 14 years now, is that very, very rarely, if you've got couples, and we love it when we get a husband and wife or a couple in a relationship to come along to our events because when couples are united and they're on the same page, then they stop bashing heads about money, they're, they're aligned and they can really kick big goals. And we see that all the time, especially with the trends of month. Typically speaking, when people come as a couple, they are very rarely in the same corner. Is that good or is that bad? Well, let's take a step back and look at where that might be. Opposites attract, but do they really? I mean, I don't recall seeing many nuns marrying bikers. You know, that's a good point. So opposites don't necessarily attract. We want something that's interesting, but we want something that's similar to us in terms of our values. You know, if, if, if you're a, you know, a clean, living, healthy person, it's highly unlikely that your partner is going to be someone with you know, a recreational habit of some description that eats junk food and never goes to the gym if you're someone that trains and you've got outdoor activities, sure. right? So that, that's the polar opposite. So you want someone that's similar, similar interests, but slightly different, otherwise you get bored. Sure. And it's really interesting when you look at that dynamic as a couple, and, and really do we have them in opposite corners of the room either? Because you know you don't need me. You probably need a marriage counselor. You're going to have some pretty. Good, <laughs> you need some pretty good. Uh, that's that's more my wife's department being the divorce lawyer. But um, you know the, the you know they're not in opposite corners either because that that's too much of a bridge. They're almost invariably, almost invariably. I've done this for thousands of people, Mitch. Almost invariably in adjacent corners. Recognition over here, social over here, recognition here, and security over here. You're not going to have recognition and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and achievement in those two because they're just going to fight like cats and dogs. It's really extraordinary how that sort of busts itself up. That is quite weird. And obviously, just getting back to what these may look like, mm. a recognition-based trade, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, yeah. right? Someone that likes to go to the bar and chat about you know, the, the money that they might have made. Or lost. As long as it's bigger than everyone else's story, that's where their recognition comes from. And case in point, one of my clients, and he was top guy, I love this guy, he's, he is a hitter, multi, multi-decker millionaire, possibly beyond that. Yeah, it's probably over the 100. Right. And for him, he was a sports trader. So he's like fun. trading for fun and for his stories. So when he was at this country club or the golf club with the guys, he could have a story that would be bigger than everyone else's. How much you make yesterday on the market? Oh, I made you know, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand, whatever. Like, how much you lose there? Oh, I lost more than you. I lost 250. I lost 200. <laughs> but there you go. I'm bigger than you. It's a sort of an ego-driven type thing. Sure. Big, big weakness for that group because it's not about the trading result. It's about the recognition. Wow. Okay. Mm. So do they tend to, you know, take on a high level of risk mm. most of the time? As long as it's going to get them the accolades for it, yes. So they're happy to lose more than most people just so they can get the, you know, the recognition. Recognition is such a funny thing. Mm. Now, you know, I'm going, I'm, my kids are all young, you know, five, four, 18 months and what, 17, 18 weeks now. And, and, and babies cry for recognition. That little girl, you know, she's, you know, she's 17 weeks now and obviously she cries when it's time to feed and things like that. But babies cry for recognition. Grown men die for it. That is it's so such true. a huge human need. It is true. But that's recognition. There's only one corner of the thing. We've talked about recognition. We've talked a bit about security. What about the other social. resource? 
All right, let's talk about some of the social people. Um, what, what do you think of a social person? You think someone likes to go out and chat and you know go out for dinners and whatever. Mm-hmm. How does that actually apply to a trading sense? Though, mm-hmm. when you're in the midst of making your decision, what part of the social atmosphere comes into play? That's a really interesting one. Now, from a social perspective, social people are in the group dynamic. They're very good at reading the group dynamic, and in just the same way, social traders are very, very good at being in tune with trends in the market. So if the market's in a trend and is rolling along, they will milk more out of that trend than any other group because they're just in tune with the dynamic of the broader market, the group as it were. So they tend to follow the media and their friends and stuff like that? Yeah, to an extent, but they just seem that if there's a trending market, they'll just stick with it because that's where the, the, the kind of momentum is. They will never go against that momentum. So it's a very, very strong attribute to have. They're not looking to call the high. So and so, uh, yeah, in one of the other personality groups we'll talk about in a moment, they'll try and call the high and low because that's what drives them. The social trader is not doing that. All they're looking for is to take as much out of that trend. Let the trend keep going, man. We're gonna follow this. It's no problem. We're in the group. It's all moving along, happy days. Now the downside to that is that when conditions change, they can be very, very slow to recognize that. They're usually sure. more of a laggard uh, to, to recognize things have changed. So if we look at the coronavirus correction as, as an example, nice and current, you know, we've had you know, one of the strongest bull and longest bull markets in, in history. So social traders would have run that all the way up to the top, but they would have also taken a little bit of bark off because they would have been a little slower to respond to getting out sure. because they felt that the trend was going to continue going, whereas a security-based trader would have already been out. It would have their stop losses mm. in place. Absolutely. So you can see that there's a balancing act here. And does it work the other way? So for a, you know, a social trader, if they're a little bit slow to react, they would have missed out on Afterpay's 500% increase in a month. There wouldn't be a podcast without mentioning that stock, right? That's a clumsy but good segue. I'll take that. Um, possibly, yeah. I mean, they'll be getting into it now. Now it's up because that, you know, they'll be maybe getting to the party a little bit later, but they'll also milk it for, for longer because that risk aversion isn't necessarily there for the sake of risk. It's about just filling in and floating along with the direction. I know this train will listen to this, they're just going to be going, are you guys for real with this? And the answer is yeah, and it's backed up by great stats and it's backed up by plenty of, of, of real results. So your social group, great for following a trend, tricky in more volatile market conditions. It's not their time and quite often, they're the people that will be quite unsettled when you've had a period of volatility. Now you normally expect it would be the security people that would be unsettled, it's actually the social, the other side of it. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But yeah, they would be more unsettled because it's not their natural thing. Yet someone that's a social person, when there's conflict, they're the people that back away from conflict. They don't like it in a group, they'll be the people that are quiet and let things settle down and then they're back into it. Just the same, because trading's just a, another facet of our behavior like everything else we do in life. You know, sure. Quite extraordinary. And that leaves one group of people left. We've got the recognition-driven traders. Well, and we've briefly mentioned it's the person that likes to go to the bar and talk mm. about you know their wins or their losses. Mm. And you use the you know the example of your friend over in the US. Yeah. What other nuances do they kind of usually display? Um, they're usually pretty loud about it. <laughs> look at this. Did you see what I'm doing? And and, and look at all seriousness with that. Um, they're oftentimes one of their biggest referral groups as well. And so, you know, it's an important part of our business referrals, uh, but recognition traders are, you know, they're mavens in their group. They're people that are looked up to uh, in their group, so they can be quite powerful influencers as well. Sure. Um, so, you know, they're also people that can be quite early on things. So if there's a new trend in markets, like that move into technology, uh, you know, which isn't new, it's been going on for a long time now, but they're the people that would more likely embrace that because they always want to be seen at that vanguard. So right. like, there's another attribute that they have to quickly get onto this stuff. The social people will follow when it becomes the norm. 
and the security people are only going to when the system says it's time to do so. And the achievement people are too damn stubborn to get out of the trade when they should have. Well, the achievement people will probably employ all of those groups to get the work done before they <laughs> optimize it. That's what I'd suggest. So just to, coming towards the end of the broadcast, Andrew, let's spin off rapid-fire question time. So if I went through each one of those four, so the recognition, social security, and then the achievement base, how do those guys win? Mm. How do those guys lose in each one of those groups? Gotcha. I think the, the key thing here for everybody, there's no good group to be in because sure. it's got to be your natural answer. If we go back to the example of being in the doctor, how many drinks do you drink? Well, be honest with it because it's going to give you your answer. So wherever you are in there is not a natural benefit or a natural weakness. You're just now aware of your natural strengths and your natural weaknesses. And I think this is a, a big part of the evolution of people on this trading journey is to become aware of their strengths and weaknesses. Just as we mature as people and we sometimes realize we can be overbearing or a little bit aggressive or domineering in a conversation, and you learn to back off as you get older or more aware of that, this is just the same. So what I'd say is work out what your foibles are and look out for them so that you don't tread on those landmines and leverage the heck out of your strengths. Now, so many people in personal development, yeah, I've got to be a good all-rounder. Do you know something? If you're a good all-rounder, you're called average, and who wants to be average? Specialists get paid, generalists don't. Absolutely. So work out what your strengths are and leverage as much as is humanly possible on them, but be very aware, always top-mind awareness on what your foibles are so you can make sure that you don't tread on those landmines. So if you are social, work on your risk management so you can get out of a breakup trend more easily. Um, if you are recognition-driven, this is really hard. But try not to be, because the amount of pressure that you put on yourself here, um, once you've told someone you're going to do something, and you know, we did a charity thing before Christmas, and we talked about doing it before we even knew what the details were going to be, how it was going to happen, we just knew we were going to do it, and with your dad involved as well, which was a terrific thing to do. Sure. And, um, and, and so we started talking about it, and unfortunately, when you talk about things, it then means that you've, there are people talking to you about it and asking, so how's it going? So it puts that pressure on you. It's an obligation to follow through with what you've said. Now, I love that because it gives me accountability. That's my personality. Sure. If I said I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And if I've told people about it, now there are other people witness the fact that we're going to do it. You have to definitely do it. We started this year saying we do a podcast every week. It'd be easy to push it out every fortnight because sometimes, you know. And here we are, one week on. One week in, one week off. Every single week we deliver it, right? So if you're talking about trading, and you've put it out there, especially if you're new, okay? And this is something else for people that are recognition driven. If you've achieved a level of success in your life, you automatically project that onto everything you do and expect to be playing at that level. It's very hard to come in at ground zero and be new and start again. So if you go through your normal personality behavior saying, I've started trading on this new strategy, you're gonna tell everyone about it. Now that's good in that it's gonna hold you accountable, but it puts massive pressure on you psychologically when maybe markets are choppy and people say, as a market trading image, you know, it's your second week in, mm. but because you've talked about it, and that sort of thing can really weigh very, very heavily on your trading decisions because all of a sudden you're not making a decision based on what's on the screen or in your plan. You're making a decision based, well, how am I going to deal with these people that are asking me about it? That's heavy stuff. Is there a way you can internalize that recognition and make it more of an intrinsic sort of value setting where, okay, I've done this, I can, I can reward myself internally? I think having coach certainly helps because they will hold you accountable without you having to tell a lot about it sure. and you can work on a more discreet basis and if you're wrong you're never wrong with a coach it's just a learning exercise and, and there's a big difference whereas if you're wrong in front of your fan, friends there's it can a be embarrassing. Face. 
embarrassment, which if you're recognition driven is a nightmare. Sure. Um, so so that's that's one thing for sure. I think something that probably help our listeners and followers on here is okay, well sounds like an interesting quiz. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, maybe you're scared to find out what your investing personality is. We can access it and we've got a site there, uh, it's one of uh, one of another business of ours, it's called myfinancialdna.com. Sounds pretty simple. Really easy. Myfinancialdna.com. And the reason we got the name is we're trying to work out what your financial DNA is to make it easier to be a better trader by understanding your own personality type. So go on there, it's gonna ask for some details, myfinancialdna.com. I'm sure we can put something in the link on here as well for people to be able to follow. And go have a look at it, take maybe five minutes to do that quiz. And, and when you get the report that'll come through, yeah, that's me, how do you know that's me? It's gonna be really, really interesting to see the kind of feedback we get from people because yeah, anything that you can do, this is all about performance enhancement. And anything that we can do legitimately to help our clients enhance their performance, make more profit, have lower risk, have far more confidence in their processes, um, have more confidence in themselves and grow as human beings because crikey, you know, this isn't just about money. This is about growing as a person because anyone that's on this journey of money and investing and getting better at it will need to get new skills along the way. And those skills aren't just about being able to read a P ratio or understanding a chart. It's about becoming more decisive, more focused, more purpose-driven, and more having a horizon mindset of where this is going to go, not in the next five minutes, but the next five years. And so any tool that we can put in that nudges the dial, just the micron. Yeah, a micron here is miles when we go further down the line. The one percenters. And it's just like sport. You know, if you're better at handballing than you are kicking, you have to know that you're a good handball so that you can handball more. And that's how you get the best results for not only yourself, but also your team. Mm. And trading is much the same. And I think, as you said at the beginning of this broadcast, that yes, it might sound a little bit woo-woo and a bit wishy-washy, but it is pivotal mm. for the longevity of your success. Mm. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, and then go back to the genesis of how this whole thing started. This was the work we were doing with day traders, which is at the absolute pointy end of trading. You know, you tick to tick on the chart or five minute candles, whatever it might be, really short term stuff. And that especially is where any kind of performance enhancement is amplified massively because yeah, as a day trader, if you think about the number of trades that you're gonna do in a month, you know, depending on how many markets, and you know, I'll probably trade three, maybe four markets as a day trader, five days a week. So there's 20 trades a week. Uh, over the course of a month, there's 80 trades. That's more trades than most people do over half a year. And so if you can make a minor adjustment, that return on that minor adjustment is amplified hugely there. Sure. So you know, this is, this is where this sort of research and education has come from as that pointy end. If you can layer that in now to a more passive strategy, cash flow on demand being a prime one, you know, you're not necessarily gonna see a change in this in two seconds but you're gonna see a marked improvement on your trading on the grind. And, and that's really what this is all about. It's about getting those results and getting you where you need to be. And if you can do a couple of things to become consciously aware of what maybe some of your weaknesses are and consciously aware that they genuinely are your strengths and leverage often, that starts to explain some of the discourse away that how come they're doing better than me? And it's not because they're better than you. Maybe their personality type is slightly more in tune with what the market conditions might be, or better yet, maybe they're more in harmony with their personality. They know what their weaknesses are and they've managed them out and, and really have leveraged off, as you say, their handballing skills. I know what mine are, and that's why I've gone to great lengths with our team that we have here to hire people that counterbalance my strengths and, and more than compensate for my weaknesses. And, and, and that's why as a business, we're able to drive forward. And, and that's really what this is all about. It's about that bigger goal at the end, which is a high level of success. How? 
by just looking internally and realising you know, what we're good at, what we're not good at, and more importantly, why we behave that way. It's quite simple, but it really does do the trick. And the longevity of it, as you said, is, is so important. Andrew, look, thank you very much for your advice. Is there any party words before we head off? I'd definitely give that um, quiz a, a crack. You know, it's going to take you five or six minutes. Think about the doctor for a moment. Give the honest answer because that's where you can get the optimal diagnosis and the more accurate your diagnosis, better results you're going to get. So myfinancialdna.com, give it a whirl, spend five, six minutes in there, enjoy reading the report that we'll send you. And uh, more importantly, apply the training and trading because it's not what you know, it's what you do and this will help you improve what you're doing infinitely. You heard it here first. Thank you very much, Mr. Baxter. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, Mitch. Well, there you go, guys. Irrespective of your personality type, make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.